I'm going to call the meeting to order. Clerk will call the roll. Ritz. Here. Ritt here. Rusk. Here. Rusk here. Saloff. Saloff absent. Shower. Shower absent. Schmidt. Schmidt absent. Solberg. Solberg absent. Stubbs. Stubbs absent. Veldrin. Veldrin absent. Wegleitner. Wegleitner here. Willett. Here. Will it here Zweefel? Here. Zweefel here Baird. Here. Baird here Bollig. Here. Bollig here Chenoweth. Chenoweth absent. Clausius. Here. Clausius here De Felice. De Felice absent. Downing. Downing absent. Die. Die here Erickson. Erickson absent. Farrell. Farrell here Gillis. Gillis absent. Hendrick. Hendrick absent. Jones. Jones absent. Keeper. Here. Keeper here. Kolar. Here. Kolar here. Krause. Here. Krause here. Levin. Here. Levin here. Matano. Matano absent. McCarville. Here. McCarville here. Miles. Miles absent. Nelson. Here. Nelson here. O'Loughlin. Here. O'Loughlin here. Pan. Pan absent. Pirtle. Pirtle absent. Richmond. Here. Richmond here. Rip. Rip here, Corrigan. Here. Corrigan here. Saloff is here. Anybody else come in? Uh, we have a quorum. We have a quorum, um, so we will begin the work of the Committee of the Whole. Um, before we um, start to hear um, about the report on the um, Alliant Energy. Pledge of Allegiance. Oh, I'm sorry. We have to do the Pledge of Allegiance, and I believe yes. Thank you. I pledge allegiance to, to the, the flag, flag of the United States, States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. To start over, um, to give you a little background before we start, um, it's been a while since the board approved the funding and, and created the committee to begin the work that we're going to hear about tonight. In fact, it was in 2013 that the county um, first created the Alliant Energy Center Strategic Design and Study Committee, and uh, members were appointed representing the county, the city, the neighborhood around there, the, and the Chamber of Commerce, the Greater Madison Chamber of Commerce, and the Greater Madison Convention and Visitors Bureau have all been working together on this committee. And the report that you're about to hear was commissioned um, as, at the direction of this committee, and we funded the report as part of our budget um, process. And when we began this work, we really recognized that we've got um, a facility out there that's aging and um, is now struggling to, um, to keep business coming in at the rate that we need it to come in. And, but also more so that it was a facility that had a lot of potential that we really needed to look closely at the area and, and look at what the opportunities are there and look at what, what the market might bear and to try to figure out if there are opportunities at the Alliant Energy Center and recognize that we're looking at a long-term fiscal stability, something that's sustainable in the future out there. And that's what the report that you're going to hear is about. 
It's a first step. It was, it's really, um, it's not a master plan. In fact, some people have asked about, you know, is this a master plan, and it's not. It's really a first step in looking at this and recognizing that we're going to need more research. We're going to need um, other voices in the process. Um, but this is um, a, a look at this to provide us with some ideas and some options and to give us some sort of um, uh, first analysis of it. Um, as the members of the committee indicate, this, even though this is a county facility, there's a lot of stakeholders who are, is, aren't just the county, county employees and the county board. It's, you know, when you think about the neighborhood that it's in, it sits in a residential neighborhood. It borders um, several communities. It's um, right on the Beltline. There's just, there's, and it's on, a, on the main street leading into Madison. So there's a lot of stakeholders that are involved in this and that we've been working with um, to move forward and really are going to need to continue to work um, with. Um, you'll see there are several steps um, recommended in the report that you're going to see at the very end and about reaching out to, and digging deeper to kind of to move forward and to have a plan for the future. And as we look at next steps and as you hear about this, the thinking about it, that the, the committee, the strategic design committee, is going to be reconvening in the next few weeks and working to make recommendations. And those recommendations will come to the Public Works Committee and come to the full board before we make any next steps. In the budget that we approved, um, we have further funds in there to do a master plan and to do some more work. But those, that the initial committee will have to come together and then make recommendations to the board. And, you know, it, it's a big Big project. It's it's a daunting project when you think about um, trying to work to address these issues and to try to make sure that we're taking getting the most opportunity of a site and and doing the right thing for all of Dane County. So um, it's it's going to be a big project um, as we begin to to look at these recommendations and to figure out what direction to go for our future. Um, but it seems like this is you know we need to begin this work and this is an opportunity to begin that and that we really have an opportunity to look at. Um, job creation and affordable housing and um, building the tax base and um, it's it's a good opportunity and I, um, I really appreciate having the opportunity to let you hear tonight from the representatives of Hamas Company. Bob Dunn and Rob Robinson are going to be um, presenting the information. They're um, going to have about a half an hour to present and then we'll take um, time for questions from the members of the board. So if you gentlemen want to step forward, I'll turn the microphone on over there and all right great can you hear me? the sound is good yes all right uh thank you very much that was a great uh background and introduction i'm going to give just one more uh introductory slide just some acknowledgments of uh the folks who contributed uh to the study uh, of course the strategic facility study committee that that uh, was just mentioned but also csl international who did a lot of the survey data analysis uh, the SWOT analysis that we'll go into and some industry trend information. Sinkholm's uh, Death Lefts Architects, who's a, a leading uh, convention and arena uh, design firm, assisted with the condition survey. And C.G. Schmidt, uh, who did some uh, cost analysis and also some condition survey work. So to overview the study, I, I think uh, a lot of you probably have seen the study. Hopefully you've been able to, uh, to read it and digest the information. It's long. It's uh, over 200 pages with a 200-page uh, appendix, but there's a lot of good information there 
So if you haven't read it, I encourage you to take a look at it. I'm going to go through at a very rapid pace some of the key topics in the report, and uh, then we can come back in a Q&A session afterwards. So really the report uh, got to uh, a lot of topics. Uh, it got to the background and the status of the existing facilities. Uh, it looks at financial performance, competitive market factors, uh, real estate opportunities and re redevelopment options for the site, uh, fiscal and economic impacts or potential impacts of those redevelopment ideas and strategies, uh, potential governance structures and examples around the country for similar facilities, uh, also some strategies and options for financing future improvements. And, um, you know, it really keeps coming back to a, to a common theme, which is that the, the Aligned Energy Center is really a, at a pretty critical phase right now where um, it's uh, been running at a, at a deficit for a number of years. Uh, the operating reserve that has been funding that deficit is now depleted, and it's really a, a, what we believe is a fork in the road for the facility to change the course that it's, that it's on. Uh, so what we like to do with these uh, reports is really begin to create a statement of the problem to kind of focus and crystallize the, uh, the issues that we're going to address in the, in the report. And so I'll just go through these quickly, but these are dealt with in a lot more detail in the report and kind of setting up the study. Uh, this is the only facility in the competitive set, and I'll talk about the competitors, but there are many competitors throughout the nation that we looked at. But this is the only one um, that does not receive a significant public subsidy, either for debt service or for operations, and that puts an additional operating burden on the facility. Uh, as I said, there, there have been continuing operating deficits over the past several years of between three and $500,000 per year. Most of that is associated with this debt burden that this, the facility must carry uh, and must pay for itself. Uh, but the deficit has grown recently, and in 2014 it was uh, $758,000. Uh, I don't believe we have uh, financial information yet for 2015, but uh, we will see that uh, at some point soon. Um, as I said, the reserve fund is depleted, uh, and in order to keep the center uh, functional and competitive uh, and to um, remain an asset for Dane County, there needs to be some reinvestment. So as a result, uh, we've been asked to explore some alternatives, and that's what we're here to talk about tonight. But, you know, it's not all gloom and doom. There are some great opportunities uh, with the site and with the facility. It's in a great location and a great market, and so we believe there's a, a great opportunity to reposition the campus uh, to be a top-tier competitor for large events uh, and to, uh, to reinvest in the facilities. Uh, we believe there's also an opportunity to capture new market share, to grow the facility, and uh, to erase the operating deficit and actually create a surplus. Uh, we also believe that there's a great opportunity to uh, create some sustainable amenities for the long term for both Dane County and the region and to create a destination uh, that uh, can be used uh, for many years to come. So we started really as, as a first step with the assessment 
of the existing facilities. And as you know, it's, it's, a, it's sort of a mix. There's some old facilities and some new ones. Uh, the arena and the Coliseum are the older facilities. They're in uh, fairly poor condition, and they need the most uh, care and attention. Um, the arena building was built in 1955, the Coliseum in 1967. Um, they're either at or near the end of their useful life, in our opinion, uh, and uh, need to have significant upgrades or uh, replacements. Uh, the exhibition hall, constructed in 1995, uh, is in good condition, and it's actually a very flexible and useful facility, but it also needs some upgrades to come up to the standard of competitors uh, around the country. And of course, the New Holland Pavilions is a fairly new facility, and it's been very successful. So the next step in, in the process was to look at strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, a SWOT analysis, uh, to look at the key drivers of success and key threats uh, as, we, as we move forward. And the report goes into these in a great amount of detail. There's probably a, uh, close to 100 pages of analysis on this portion. So I won't go into this into a lot of detail, but um, I will summarize a couple of those, those key strengths and weaknesses in a minute or two. We also looked at industry trends uh, for ag and equestrian facilities, convention and conference facilities, uh, also for sports and entertainment facilities. Alliant Energy Center is a little bit unique in that it has all of these components on site, and that's a huge asset, but uh, right now some of these elements are not competitive with other venues, both close by and regionally and nationally. Um, the report goes into a great amount of detail on establishing uh, a competitive set to compare and benchmark the facility against. Um, so I encourage you to take a look at that information. It's actually quite interesting to see what other facilities are doing around the country. Uh, for the most part, they are investing heavily in their campuses, which are similar to Alliant. Uh, and uh, they really view them as uh, assets for their, for their regions and drivers of economic activity. Uh, so they, they justify the investment in that way. And there's actually a lot of public and private investment going into these facilities around the country. Some of the key strengths here, uh, accessibility of the site, central location, ample parking. Uh, the New Holland Pavilions has been very successful. We need to continue to build upon that, uh, those strengths and that success. But there are weaknesses. Uh, the overall utilization of the facility is not up to snuff. It's not... Uh, it's not on a par with some of the key competitors in this space, in this region and nationally. Um, Expo Hall utilization is only 40%. Uh, to be on a par with other facilities of this type, it needs to be more in the 50 to 70% range. Uh, the Coliseum is fairly outdated. The configuration is very difficult for promoters, uh, for concerts, for other events, and it, that needs to be addressed. Uh, there's also just an, an overall lack of funding for capital improvements and maintenance, so there's been uh, really a, a, a deferred maintenance backlog uh, piling up for years, uh, and that needs to be addressed as well. 
Probably the biggest weakness, though, that we're going to spend a little bit of time on now, and then the report goes into in a great amount of detail, uh, is the, this burden of self-funding that I touched on a minute ago. Uh, and you can see we, we lined up a couple of key competitors in the marketplace. This might work. We have the uh, Ohio Expo Park, Idaho's Horse Park, and the Expo Center in New Mexico. Just uh, choosing those three as comparison because we were able to get very good financial information to line up uh, with the aligned energy information that we have. And you can see that top line revenue, um, you know, actually Alliant stacks up pretty well against certain other competitors in the nation. Expenses are fairly, in, you know, in line. Uh, and there's actually a, a, a small uh, net operating profit that was generated in 2014. Other sources of revenue are fairly significant, but the big difference is on debt service. So the, the debt load that the uh, Lion Energy Center must support each year um, is a significant disadvantage. And you can see how that stacks up against other facilities uh, that do not have that burden. Uh, and in fact, on the public contribution line, you can see that other facilities actually do receive very significant annual public contributions for their operations. So you can see how that kind of changes the competitive landscape a bit and, and puts uh, Alliant Energy Center in a, in a tough situation. The next major part of the report that I'm just going to go over quickly is the real estate analysis. Um, I won't go into every detail of it, but I want to I focus on a couple main points that are important. Um, you know, we talk a lot in this section of the report about uh, annual visitation, access, the, the great population base that's within a three-hour driving distance of Alliant Energy Center. Uh, these are all significant uh, potential opportunities to tap into. So what we set out to do is to create a framework to begin a conversation, not a master plan, uh, about how certain options, redevelopment options, might be uh, configured on the site, and then we set out to sort of measure those options uh, relative to each other. So option one uh, is really a, a very low impact, uh, low activity, low investment option, uh, but it also has low return. It doesn't do a lot for the facility. Option two would be a, a series of limited facility upgrades. Um, it's a moderate level of improvement, a moderate level of investment. Um, but as you'll see as I get into it a little bit further and in the report, there aren't really significant impacts that come with a moderate uh, approach such as option two. Option three is a more comprehensive uh, approach to redevelopment of the campus. It could be phased, uh, but it has a very high potential for uh, significant impact uh, economic and fiscal impacts to Dane County and the region, creation of jobs, and to really create a destination at the site to really full, fully realize its potential. Uh, in the report, you'll see some diagrams that look like this, uh, which begin to try to, at a very high level, understand how um, new development, um, new facilities, 
open space might be configured on the site. And really what needs to happen, and we'll go through this in the next steps, is that a full master planning process to analyze at a much more detailed level than this, uh, analyze the opportunities needs to take place. So master planning, community involvement, uh, getting the stakeholders together and looking at how um, different development opportunities, redevelopment opportunities can come together. Uh, that, that's really the next step that's, uh, that's needed here. But for now, we tried to at least begin to, to touch on how different elements might be organized on the site and then to measure those. We go into a great amount of description in the report uh, about how this, is, uh, how this is measured, how this is done. But to just give it a quick overview, option one would uh, take care of some of the, the, the most um, urgent uh, types of needs for repair and replacement. But there's not a great level of capital that's uh, available to do this. Um, and it would rely mostly on, uh, if not all, on public money. Um, so it's really, uh, I'd say, a Band-Aid approach to try to uh, prolong the useful life of some of the assets uh, on, on the site. In summary, it might include some general repairs and maintenance of existing facilities, some energy efficiency upgrades, uh, some uh, HVAC improvements in the expo hall, upgrading some of the boilers and chillers, fire alarm system, things of that nature that just need to be dealt with for public health and safety uh, concerns. Uh, it might be in the range of zero to nine million dollars, which is trying to get some very rough orders of magnitude for these uh, improvements. But that generally lines up with some of the recent uh, uh, reports that have looked at uh, various uh, upgrades to, uh, to maintain the facility. Option two, limited facility upgrades. This is the moderate scheme. Let's go to the grid here, which gives us a little bit more information. Um, we include the upgrades and repairs that are consistent with option one. Um, but it would also add some amenities, create more uh, connections between the existing facilities, upgrade the site somewhat, and it would deal with the Coliseum in either a renovation or a replacement. Uh, something like option two would be uh, an investment uh, in the range of 60 to $75 million. Uh, this would probably be mostly publicly funded uh, there's really not much opportunity for private investment in this scheme. Um, debt service on that private or that public investment rather would be four to five million dollars per year if it were all debt financed. And it has really um, a limited fiscal and economic impact to the region. Based on our other work like this uh, that we've done in, in, in other regions throughout the country, um, Annual fiscal impacts of probably one to three million per year. Really, and, and I guess the last column is, is, a, is a good sum up. It does not really address the long-term operating deficit, which, which is a critical, uh, critical concern. Option three, as I mentioned, is a, is a much more comprehensive uh, and full redevelopment of the site. 
So uh, in addition to including a new uh, coliseum replacement or multi-purpose arena, uh, it would include a significant amount of commercial development, which would be funded privately. So, uh, you know, there are models for this throughout the country. The uh, report actually goes into some detail about those uh, examples, where they occur, how, they, how they've been successful, how they're governed. Um, I'll touch on some of those themes here, but uh, that's really, uh, I would encourage you to look at the report and, uh, and look at some of those examples because I think they're, they're very instructive. But uh, for purposes of this analysis, we looked at uh, over a 10 to 15 year period, perhaps commercial office of 800,000 square feet, residential of 400 dwelling units, a, ho a new hotel of about 240 keys, uh, retail of 260,000 square feet, dining of 40,000 square feet, creating walkable amenities, connections between these amenities, uh, and to compensate for some of the surface parking that would be lost, uh, about a thousand car parking deck to continue to keep that parking count on par with what it is right now. Capital investment uh, would be a mixture of public and private uh, based on our previous work um, and, and other projects, we feel that the mix would be something in the range of 90 to 120 million of public investment, but that would then induce significant private investment over time um, based on the program that you see on the, the left-hand column there. We, uh, we've calculated somewhere in the range of 300 to 400 million of private investment would be induced by that public investment. And then the payoff is pretty significant. Economic impacts, new jobs, fiscal impacts of 30 to 40 million dollars per year. Very significant. Um, annual operating surplus and uh, you know really a, a more holistic uh, and we believe kind of complete solution uh, for the site, but also more complicated. go through these again and get to some of the, the punchline material from the, from the study. Um, so we were asked then, well, what's the return on the public investment? If there's public investment of, say, $120 million, actually we modeled here uh, $117 million. Under a conservative case and a moderate case, different assumptions, different um, revenue assumptions, different tax assumptions, we figured that uh, there'd be annual total incremental public revenue coming into the system of between 9.2 and $12 million per year. Most of that through taxes, um, ground lease payments, some naming rights revenue, additional parking revenue, uh, incremental uh, net operating income from facilities. And um, if you sort of aggregate all that and look at uh, those benefits, uh, something on the order of nine to twelve million dollars annually to the public side. Uh, then we were asked to to take a look at well, if that were were all uh, uh, financed with debt, what would that what would that result in in a in a net public benefit? And you can see we've gone through that calculation and 
a net annual public benefit of something on the order of 1.7 to 4.5 million per year, as opposed to the deficit that is running out there today. And again, the report goes into this in a lot of detail. There's a lot of backup, a lot of spreadsheets, uh, all included in the report. But we also try to test these numbers. So to the extent where we have uh, projections for increased utilization of the facilities, we did go back and look at operating statements from Alliant Energy Center to make sure that our assumptions were reasonable. I don't expect you to absorb the numbers here, but I just wanted to, to show and uh, perhaps key back into some of the pages of the report that look like this, which begin to try to tie this back to existing information and show that these assumptions are reasonable. Governance. So, so what is the governance structure that might uh, be put in place to cause a, a, a redevelopment of, of the site? And we looked at options and examples throughout the country. Um, there's a section in the report which, which I think gives a lot of background and, and context for these different examples. But just to summarize them, uh, there were four primary examples. One is a development authority formed by a city. Um, the example that's cited in the report is the Allentown Neighborhood Development Authority, ANISDA, which uh, uh, is a project we were, we've been involved with for the past three or four years which has been very successful. Uh, I encourage you to read the report. We don't believe that's a model that would work here, but it's useful to uh, have as an example. Um, second option, commission a, a commission which would be formed by a county. Now, we have actually a very good example here with the, the Dane County Regional Airport Commission, and we believe that a commission structure, something like that, could work to provide governance for a, a, a large redevelopment of the Alliant Energy Center site. This deserves more study, but we think this has great potential as a potential governance structure. Um, third example would be a development district formed by the state, something similar to the Wisconsin Center District. Again, may or may not apply here, but I think if you read through the report and see how that is put together, um, you know, you can, you can see some of the, uh, the information may be applicable here. Uh, and then finally, sort of a hybrid example for would be some sort of public-private partnership, uh, similar to some work we're doing right now in Rochester, Minnesota with uh, the Mayo Clinic. And uh, I encourage you to read the report there as well. This is a fairly involved example, but it does provide another sort of hybrid example of how a governance structure may be put in place uh, for this purpose. So finally, recommendations. I think, Bob, you wanted to say a few words in, in summing this up and um, talking about our recommendations and how we, how we got there. Thank you, Rob. Uh, quickly tried to cover a, a lot of uh, material that's been developed over an extended period of time. and. Uh, and going through something like this, it's, it's sometimes hard to get it grounded in what are the real facts and findings, if you will, that, that come from the report. So we thought we'd, we'd uh, sort of share in, in, in this aspect of it. Uh, we spent a lot of time at this. Uh, you have a team that has worked on this that I think has probably done more of this type of work than 
probably anyone in, in our industry. We happen to be uh, a firm that's grounded here in Madison and Dane County. So I think we have a good appreciation for the facilities, the market, and what the challenges and opportunities are going to be looking forward. I would suggest to you that the decision that comes from this effort with this report, uh, in our opinion, will be probably the most important point in time and decision that the county will make in terms of putting in motion a strategy to go forward. Uh, when we've done these projects in other instances, as you work forward from here, you begin to get very uh, focused on a specific plan, whatever that plan may be. This is a critical juncture, as, as Rob described it. It is a fork in the road. Uh, you have to make a strategic decision about what is the right way to advance these facilities for the county for the next generation. And uh, the way that we would summarize for you what the real conclusions are from this report is simply that you have three alternatives. And I think uh, to best sum up what those three alternatives look like, uh, and this is based on a lot of experience. When we've done this type of analysis before, I don't think the results and the findings uh, deviate from reality too far. So I think you can, you can put a high degree of confidence around the analysis that's been done around these three alternatives. And I would, I would summarize it as follows. Uh, option one, which is basically, as Rob described it, sort of a Band-Aid approach, is certainly an option that can be pursued. It is basically trying to deal with deferred maintenance of facilities that are quite aged and minimizing the public investment. Uh, that, that's as simply as I could characterize option one. The results that you could expect from option one are uh, basically no ability to grow market share. Uh, by not improving the facilities, you're in a highly, highly competitive market today where your peer set have radically improved their facilities. The competition has invested and has greatly improved their facilities, and those that make decisions about where to host events are heavily swayed by the quality of the facilities. That's why so many communities around the country have made improvements. So option one uh, basically minimizes public investment, uh, is about deferred maintenance, solving the immediate problems, but it will, it will leave you with an operating deficit that we believe will be growing over time to the point that you've depleted your operating reserves, so that will have to be funded from the county's general funds. That's option one. Uh, it doesn't sound very good. Uh, it has a lot of challenges with it, but if the sole objective is to minimize public investment in antiquated facilities, then, then that becomes the dominant factor that we just have to accept what comes with that strategy. The second alternative is a little bit different than that. Uh, it has a more significant public investment uh, Rob gave you a number of 60 plus million dollars. It does greatly improve the facilities that are there. In our mind, what you could hope to attain there is to maintain market share uh, and to get to a point where you have not, uh, where you're not incurring an operating deficit on a going forward basis. We think that's an aggressive assumption, but that would be the strategy that you would hope to achieve with the second option a mid-level of public investment, but you don't have the ongoing fiscal drain every year on the county's operating budget. 
uh, and, and that, will be, that will be difficult to achieve. The third alternative that Rob described uh, is a much more comprehensive and a much more involved alternative. It has a greater degree of public investment, but it also draws in a significant amount of private investment. Uh, the results that you can expect to come from that, we believe, would give you uh, an operating surplus on an annual basis. It would put you in a position where you could grow market share. You could compete very effectively against your peer set and take business from the competing communities. And it would put the county, the city, and the state to a certain degree uh, in a favorable position from the standpoint of the fiscal gain, the new tax base, the new jobs that could be generated that would give you both an operating surplus and growth in the city's tax or in the county's tax base. Uh, part of why we, uh, we view that as a very viable alternative, which many of your peers aren't in the same position that you're in, is you have uh, facilities that have value. What you have absolutely is site, is land that has value. Uh, I would argue that uh, certainly in south central Wisconsin, this is one of the most developable and one, one of the most valuable development parcels that I could identify in south central Wisconsin. I, I would also argue in the state of Wisconsin, it, it is certainly one of the most valuable and, and uh, well-located development parcels that we could identify statewide. Because of that, we think there's significant development potential that can drive private investment and drive growth in the tax base. So not, frankly, not that many sites have the locational advantages that the Alliant property has. We wouldn't make that same recommendation in certain communities where uh, this type of property is just not located on your main thoroughfare through the, through the community has the access and visibility and is really a gateway to the city that the Alliant property represents. So in our mind, uh, the site advantages give you a very unique opportunity to capitalize on the land asset to drive the fiscal growth uh, and the fiscal gain that can come from major development of that site. So those are the three alternatives. Uh, we would urge the county uh, to think very seriously about identifying a strategic path to take forward. What we oftentimes see at, at this juncture is sort of a fumbling that occurs uh, and, and not a strategic direction identified, uh, which in many respects no decision is a decision. Uh, allowing the facilities to continue to deteriorate is a decision. Uh, and that's why I say I think the most important decision that you're going to face going forward is which of the three alternatives makes the most sense from the county's perspective when you think of this long term? Once you've made that decision and you've organized a process to advance the, the analysis that will be required among any of the three alternatives, then you get onto a very defined path, a very deliberate process to maximize the opportunity of the three alternatives. But oftentimes at this stage, we don't see the discipline that brings a decision about as to which of the, in your case, which of the three avenues to pursue. So our dominant recommendation at this point would be take all the findings from the analysis and think very carefully about which of these three paths does the county want to pursue as you begin to formulate a plan for the future of the Alliant property. Thanks, Matt. Thank you.
Did you have any other comments before we open it up for questions? Okay. Are there questions? Supervisor Pirtle. Yeah, I have a, <clears throat> a couple of questions. Can we go back to slide? Either gentleman can probably swing these, but uh, slide, I think it's 14, page 13, the one that sort of lays out the comparable facilities. Okay. So, yep, no, one more. Down. There you go. Oh, I see. For, uh, yeah. Okay, so on the debt service versus public contribution lines, so obviously it's laying out what the debt service cost is for a line. Where it's got the zeros in Ohio and Expo, does that mean that their government entity is underwriting their debt service? Or that they just don't have any? I assume they've got to have some, so. Right. Um, in the As I recall, I have to go back and look, but I think in this case they are not funded with debt. They are funded uh, directly from the state. Or from the public side annually, so so they don't carry their own debt. They're not carrying debt. And then on top of that, the public contribution the would annual, be annual um, shortfall is funded as needed. So the way I read the public contribution line, that would be operating revenue subsidies from a government entity in debt service. Basically, means they don't carry their own debt. Correct. Okay. So here, are, I guess, are my two questions that underlie some of this. And the government structure, which is a couple of slides down, you know, we're a county one, there's a city, the state, a 51C3, there's a bunch of different kinds of structures that are available. Now, we are currently the owners of the Alliant Energy Center, but that is not the way the world has to be necessarily. So you lay out some different authorities, and some of them have different advantages and not advantages, but we can, when we get to the recommendations, sort of reference government governance structure, but the way I read that really is public-private partnership or us. Did you look at the question of, should we be in the business of the Alliant Energy Center? Like, all the options assume that we continue to do this, but I guess there's a question of, should we do that? I think that that's, that's, a, that's a threshold question that needs to be answered, uh, and I I believe that, well, if you believe that it provides a public purpose, that it, it's an economic engine for the community, for the county, for the state, um, and that it provides a positive uh, benefit to the citizens here, then I think that, you know, the county does have a role. The county can do things that private interests cannot do on a site like this. Um, but that, I believe there is an opportunity for uh, inviting private investment to, to supplement the public investment in the facility. I guess I just start philosophically raising the question about the city has certain authorities and revenues. The state has an ability to create an entertainment district that can, comes with a whole set of strings. But, I mean, those are maybe not things we're necessarily interested in, but... I guess, if, to your point, if we're at a crossroads, they seem like important questions about, the first one is, are we the best, most advantageous operator and developer of this property? And not an exclusively a question vis-a-vis -a, -vis a private entity, but even among the public sector entities, is that the best, most strategic choice that's available that would maximize the public interest? Yeah, I, I think it's a really important question that you're asking, and it, it to me it's grounded in... Uh, an important realization that has to come forward very quickly here. This is an asset versus a liability decision mm -hmm. in, in many respects. Uh, if, if it's treated as a liability and it's a county-owned asset, that liability doesn't go away. I mean, you won't find one example 
anywhere in the country where your option one uh, was pursued by a community and it led to success financially. You won't find one example. So it's, a, it's an asset versus liability question. Along with that question, I, I think what you're asking is, first, should the county versus another quasi-governmental structure be the owner of the asset? And it, it first has to be determined, is it an asset or a liability? No one's going to want to inherit a liability. I mean, there's no commission structure where someone's going to want to take on a liability. Mm -hmm. So you've got to shift it to an asset model from a liability model if that can be done. Once that occurs, then it's a question of does the county want to maintain this responsibility long term or is there a better operating structure, be it public, private, or some combination of both? There, there are private alternatives that could be looked at for the ongoing operational responsibility of the venues. I think in Dane County we'd be challenged to get there, but it doesn't mean it shouldn't be considered. So I guess I have one other sort of big picture question, which is in kind of looking at those previous slides. If all of the other comparables have public subsidy, either in carrying the debt or in the operating, I mean, your sort of final model shows us at plus 1 point whatever, 7 to 4.5 million in the modeling. Why do you think that we can get there in a self-generating model. That's certainly my preference, but what about what we do if we invest this money vis-a-vis -vis the investments other people made is going to mean that when we look at our comparables, we're still not writing a check. Because the comparable models that you laid out that are better positioned than we are in the market still seem to be subsidizing their facilities. Well, I, I think there's a couple answers to that question. Number one, you know, the, the rules of the game, these venues, the, this business, you know, community to community, public dollars go into developing and providing the operating support for these venues. It's just that's the way it is. Uh -huh. uh, I think we all understand that. Uh, the, the difference here in Dane County and, and the opportunity that we see, I think, is twofold. Number one, we are in a community that certainly we believe has tremendous potential to draw significantly greater visitation than what we experience today. And, and we would further argue that a, a dollar that comes into the community and is spent is the most valuable dollar that you can add to the spending in the county, period. A dollar that any of us spend when we walk out the doors tonight is, is not a dollar gained. It's a dollar repositioned. A dollar that comes into the community is a net add to the community. So if we can grow visitation to Dane County, uh, which we believe, you know, all the positives of the community put us in a position to do that. We don't have the facilities today to support that. So I, I would argue point number one in terms of this growth thought, this, this idea of moving from a liability to an asset, is we're grounded in a very strong community in terms of leveraging our community-wide assets. Second point goes back to what I mentioned in, in, in Rob's presentation, is you have an incredibly valuable land asset there that's totally underutilized today. We're in a city where something north of 60% of the land base in the city is not on the tax rolls. This is an opportunity to capture a, a significant amount of tax base growth and put new taxes on the tax rolls of the county and the city. Uh, we don't have many opportunities to do that where you can really create the kind of 
high-value tax base that could be created there. Most communities that we have in your peer set don't have the strength of those two variables that we have here in Dane County. I guess the the piece to take away from that is this economic question and impact that we're going to grow, the economic impact we're going to raise the tax base, all adds a lot of value. But that doesn't necessarily result in direct revenues to the AEC, right? That might accrue to us in property tax, might accrue to us in sales tax, might accrue to us in other venues, which is fine, but that may still result when we, just so that we understand in us either assuming some debt or direct subsidy so that other economic activity can happen. The way it lays out, it kind of looks like Which we're going to come out ahead and we may not have to put anything into this. No, it's, it, Wait, it, could I just interrupt? Yes. Um, there's about ten other people wanting to ask questions, and maybe we could... Um, yeah, sorry. Um, I, I think you've made your point, and um, I think the chart kind of shows where the money comes from. Yeah, so also, if we could... I encourage you to look back at the report a little bit because there is more information on the, the, the individual, even on a line item basis, improvements to revenue for Alliant Energy Center, not just in fiscal effects. So there are, it's, as Bob said, it's both direct and indirect. Yeah. Okay, and we'll come back if we have more time. I just wanted to give other people a chance. Supervisor O'Loughlin. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I'd like to just kind of switch back a little bit to timing. I didn't see much in the report on timing. And I think we're at a critical phase in the county's history right now when it comes to that campus on, at Alliant Energy Center. And the question I have is this. We have um, communities within our local service area that are going to start competing with us. And some may be right in the city of Madison and some may be in the city of Fitchburg. It appears that they're looking at something along the line of a sports complex, more hotel, kind of a destination uh, proposal. So what I'm wondering uh, from you is, and this property will go into the city of Madison in 2020, right, as we now see it. In your professional opinion, I agree with option three, by the way, so that I'm on record saying that right now. But in your opinion, is this something that has to be fast-tracked to get us going in this area? Is it that serious? I know I, I understand the deficit for 16 and possibly 17, but how does the changing from, this county, or from the town of Madison to the city of Madison affect our ability to move forward prior to 2020? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know that from our standpoint we would see the, the shifting from, from town to city as, a, as an important determinant of the process and the path that you go down. It, it's inevitable it's going to happen. I, I, don't think there's a, I, I don't think there's an issue there that, that relates to the timing or the, or the strategy that you ought to pursue. I, I think as far as timing overall, uh, I think there's several good arguments that would say you want to be deliberate about this immediate decision that needs to be made here. Which strategy do you want to pursue? And I say that because, you know, number one, uh, operating deficits are growing. Number two, the market is shifting and changing. 
when you lose out to competing communities, it, it's hard to attract and get those those uh, venues back. Uh, you know, our economy is is in flux as always, uh, and, and I think it's it's this topic is now come forward in the community. I, I, I don't know that seeing this linger for an extended period of time is going to make it any easier to get done. I was I was talking with. Rob and some of our others earlier today, we're building a stadium. It's a bad time to say this, but we're building a stadium for the Vikings right now. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, the point, though, is when we first started looking at that project many, many years ago, it was about a $300 million investment for the community. Today we're spending upwards of a billion dollars to build the same building that we could have built not that many years ago, about 10 years ago, for 300 and some odd million dollars. Uh, so, so there's a, you know, if you said, should we move, you know, it's important to get to the right decision on whatever schedule it takes to get there. But I think it's important to be deliberate and, and take action on this in, a, in an orderly and timely fashion because it doesn't get easier, the issues don't change. The problems don't go away, and the financial burden is only going to grow. So we would urge that, that you take it you know, seriously and, and formulate a strategy quickly, but, but not simply for the sake of picking a path. You want to get to the right answer. Yeah, and just to add a couple points to that, I think the, the amount of time it takes to plan carefully, finance, and then execute is always much longer than you think it is. These things go on for five, six, seven years sometimes before the first shovel hits the ground. So starting early has an advantage. The second point is what you, I believe you want to avoid here is you know, to kind of get into this downward spiral where you have less money to invest, therefore the facilities get worse, therefore you become less competitive and it just continues to spiral down. You're at kind of a tipping point now in my opinion where this could turn on the facility fairly quickly and you might accelerate the decline. Supervisor Richmond. Thank you, Madam Chair. I'm looking at the next steps, the last slide that you um, talked to us about, and I, I'm glad I'm following Supervisor Pearl and Supervisor Laughlin's questions because I think mine dovetails well. I don't see any discussion in these next steps about entering into the discussion that needs to be had between municipalities, Fitchburg, City of Madison, and Supervisor Laughlin brought up the fact that this is on town of Madison land. And it feels to me like being the supervisor who lives closest to this and knowing the neighborhoods to the north of this area, that people are going to want to enter into this neighborhood engagement and this public discussion and discussion of assets and everything and drawing more people into the area knowing that coordinated planning is happening. So right now you have an entity that really doesn't put many resources into its town and you've got two cities right up next to it who are trying to plan, and two mayors, by the way, who I believe are very interested in coordinated planning along the Beltline, and you're not, I don't see in the next steps here, addressing the sort of political issue that's going to have to be addressed, I think, before you get to governance structure and some of those other things. And, and by the way, I really don't think option one and two are where we should go. 
and I live really close to there, and, I, and I, what I want to know is, are we going to have a discussion, A, about whether this should be a county entity, or would it better, be better for the city of Fitchburg or the city of Madison to own it, for example? And also, are we going to talk about the area all around it and the other factors that affect, such as proximity to Monona Terrace and some other things that are happening in in city of Madison, and I don't even know uh, about Fitchburg, but are you going to help us uh, jump those hurdles to get to what we really need to get to? Sure. That's a a lot of good points there. and and I, I could I could say in these bullets that you see in front of you that you know your question is embedded here a bit you know you could you could write pages of things in terms of recommendations but you're absolutely right that the the political the funding and the governance structure all have to be worked through as part of advancing a plan and and what you're referencing are certainly going to be some of the more challenging issues that that have to get ironed out. Well, I think we need to hear from an outside entity that knows what it's talking about, assuming that's you, that the county executive's office and the county board need to decide any sort of regionalism or antipathy toward City of Madison or whatever it might be, because those things are out there, and say work on a design that is designed to do what you're saying in option three, bring more people in, do wise development, wise use of a piece of land that's so valuable, as you said. And, And so we need to hear that. I believe, from the outside so that we'll get on it. Because right now I believe that there are some petty political blocks that need to be jumped. In 2020, 2022, I thought it was Supervisor Laughlin, this town of Madison goes away. Some of these things need to be dealt with quickly in order to address the sort of cost that you said could jump in just a few years. Right. Supervisor Richmond, I just wanted to comment, too, that in putting this together, the city of Madison helped fund this, too. So we worked with the city of Madison on that piece of it, and I neglected to mention it, but we tried to include representatives from the city of Madison, from the regional representatives and neighborhood representatives, and we're really going to, I think we recognize we're going to have to continue to do that and expand who we've included in it. So, And I would, I would add to that, uh, I think we need to, I think we need to look at this first and foremost as a statewide asset. You know, you're supporting an entire region here. And in this whole sort of debate of asset versus liability, I I think the organization of the structure, the finance plan, and and the ultimate plan here needs to take into consideration, you know, who gains and, and, and how do you piece this together so that we're getting the full benefit that can be realized there. I mean, when we did Lambeau Field, I, I can tell you there was a very carefully orchestrated strategy that was about working inside of Brown County to build a statewide asset. And I think that's the best example that I could give you nationally of where success was found by driving an economic development strategy driven by a county, but it really is a statewide asset. And I think I, I would put this property on par with what was done at Lambeau Field. I also want to mention, um, in in terms of cooperation on this, the Greater Madison Convention and Visitors Bureau also helped fund this, and they're sitting right over there. So I just wanted to give them credit, too, for their work on this. Um, I know we're at 7, but there's a lot of questions left, so I'm going to go a little bit over. We've got a short agenda tonight, so if we could just go a few minutes and let people ask questions before we move on to the meeting. Supervisor Schmidt. 
Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, a couple of um, questions with um, option three, as you discussed. Um, we have a couple of statewide, national, international events here um, that were highly recognized, including World Dairy Expo and Midwest Horse Fair. And so in option three, does that diminish our ability to host either of those relatively international types of events? I would argue just the opposite. Yes, I, I think it does. I think it, it enhances your ability to make that a much better event and uh, to encourage other events of that magnitude to come in. And then um, one of the things I've come to learn um, through my involvement in this and other issues in public works um, and with uh, discussions in particular with Frank Productions um, um, and our discussions with Mr. Clark, um, the director of the Line Energy Center, um, is that uh, the real money maker out there is the Coliseum, or the potential for the most, the biggest um, in, uh, return on investment, is the um, Coliseum, and the fact that that building in itself is um, unable to meet the needs of the venues that might want to come here. So when you talk about a phased approach for option three, um, are you, uh, I guess I have a couple questions. So um, a phased approach could be replacing the arena and the, or the Coliseum with a larger arena and then having some of that private investment come afterwards. Is that kind of how that works? Yeah. Rob, if you could talk in the microphone, please. Cause I'm sorry, we, we go into that in some detail in the report where we look at that as an early phase improvement and in fact if you look at option two it's sort of the center the centerpiece of option two which is you know we've looked at it a little bit like option two could be a step toward option three or a first phase of option three but yes it's an early phase improvement to deal with the calcium and, and then just one last question uh, to tie into that because I'm not um, I don't have a, a developer background by any means. Um, so when you have that kind of a phased investment, um, is the initial funding of that going to be all public funds? I guess that's the, the um, I understand the concept of, you know, having these other kind of private-public partnership, but the financing for that facility in itself, is that typically with that be public funds totally, or are there combinations of funding, or how does that part work? You know, I, I think we've seen a, a shifting in the last certainly half a dozen years probably in, in this blending of public and private dollars, even in venues like that. It used to be, you know, used to be all public, and it became a blending of public-private, public first, private to follow. Now it's a, a little bit more public and private, so... Until we, until a specific plan is developed, that's a hard question to answer. But I don't think it's unfair to say there can be a balancing of, of public and private dollars. The other comment I would make to your question a minute ago is it, it's fair to say today that the Coliseum is, is sort of the dominant revenue generator, if you will. I don't know that that's the formula in the future, at least under option three. I, I think in the future you're looking for a more diverse income stream than what you're able to accomplish out there today. Supervisor Matano. 
Thank you, Madam Chair. Well, you you started to answer my last question, Mr. De my with your last remarks, you were leading into my question without having heard it yet. Um, my question is essentially, you spoke of Lambeau Field and your work on that. Now, Lambeau Field has the Green Bay Packers. The Coliseum has no such tenant. Um, you've described it as an antiquated facility and a possible goal of minimizing investment in it. Wouldn't a real option one have been to demolish the Coliseum and leave it fallow rather than uh, creating a straw man of uh, bleeding us dry by patching it together? It's a fair question. Uh, I think it's particularly hard for a community that's that has had assets like this for an extended period of time to, to get to the point of saying we're just going to get out of that business. We're going to demolish the facility and because we don't have an anchoring type tenant we're going to we're going to take Dane County out of that uh, uh, you know sort of mix in terms of what our community assets are. It's a fair question. I think it's a it's a particularly challenging uh, opportunity to pursue. Uh, it's an easy one to analyze, quite honestly, uh, and, and we'd be happy to do that because you're you're basically uh, you know you're a you're you're uh, you're taking away operating deficit and making no investment, uh, and then you can you can you can evaluate that against what's the tax base impact and what have you. So that's that's not one of the three options that we studied. We talked a lot about that, and, and I think the hesitation was, are we prepared as a community to say we're just going to get out of this business? Because it's going to impact things like Dairy Expo and, you know, a lot of things that have sort of become institutionalized here in Dane County. And one other thought is I think that was talked about when um, went by the committee, the strategic design committee, was that the Coliseum is an integral part of some of the big events like the World Dairy and the Horse Show which are there. So that's why they encouraged continuing to look yeah, at it. Yeah, I think if you take it away, I think you're, you're, you're potentially putting the entire campus at risk. So that I don't look at it just as a Coliseum. I think the Coliseum would be the first in a series of steps that would basically take Dane County out of this out of this business and you know take away the tax base that comes with jobs and you know the impact on the on the hospitality market and what have you. Thank you. Um, Supervisor Miles. Thank you Madam Chair. I'll limit myself to a couple questions um, particularly around uh, the investment analysis and uh, indirect benefits. Was there an, was uh, did you do any analysis on, on indirect benefits like the idea under option three of an increased tax base that it doesn't exist today and so forth uh, with the uh, development of commercial property and so forth? We did. We're, we're always a little bit uh, hesitant uh, to sort of profile indirects because it just, I don't know, it's controversial, but it's it's... Well, it's something it, of a blank slate, too. It's, it's less quantifiable. You know, yes, if people come to Dane County and go to an event at, uh, at the Coliseum and buy gas on the way out of town, you know, that's money spent in the economy. That's an indirect. Uh, so we have measured those. We just didn't put as much emphasis on that. We wanted to keep the emphasis on what are the, what are the drivers of the, the economics? What are the direct benefits that you can expect? They're much... 
they're, they're more measurable, they're more reliable, and that's really where you're getting a direct, you know, offset to debt and that type of thing. You'll, you'll see, <clears throat> excuse me, those numbers are in the report, kind of embedded in some of that financial analysis. The numbers are very large. Okay. Uh, I mean, they, they get very they big. They get very large. You know, they're much more robust in, in, in terms of just the numerical values than than the fiscal or, or let's say the fiscal impacts, which are you know, the direct measurable benefits. But um, those numbers are in there. They're, they're large. Yeah. I, I would tell you, as it relates to direct versus indirects, uh, in, in most cases we would, we would suggest that a, a direct benefit against the public investment that's turning a 25 to a 4% rate of return in a public investment decision like this is a very good that's a very good result oftentimes it's zero or it's negative because the costs have magnified so greatly uh, here you're at seven I think we're at 7.8 to 10.1 percent is our is our targeted yield that's very I mean that puts you in the upper echelon of when we look at the return on investment from this type of public support into facilities like this that puts you in a very favorable position, and it's because the strength of the Dane County market and the strength of the land base that you have. Um, and if it was tipped, we'd be basically going from a zero to <laughs> right. the all increment. Um, the, the other question I had was, um, uh, and far, as far as uh, if we went with option three and, and we realized this increased um, uh diversification of events and income stream and so forth. That means a different pattern of, of traffic and whatnot. They're also with a, a surrounding uh, development that may happen. So is there anything in the analysis as far as um, uh, impact on the public investment that would be needed in infrastructure with the, the current um, infrastructure, the roads around there, uh, support uh, the anticipated growth and activity? You know, until a more developed plan comes together, uh, it, it's hard to measure that. Absolutely, you saw the level of planning that we that we've undertaken here. Uh, I, I think the surrounding infrastructure—it's one of the—it's one of the benefits of this site—is the the core infrastructure that supports development of the site. Uh, in our mind, is is largely already there and in place. Uh, internal to the site, inside of our assumptions. Uh, we had identified parking. You know, you're going to have to go to structured parking. That's probably your biggest infrastructure investment. Plus site utilities, site utilities kind of roads. Those costs. Uh, some of that would be funded with private dollars. So we've addressed it internal to the site. We think external to the site. You know, the county's already made. The state, the county, the city have already made much of the infrastructure investment that would be needed to support full development of the site. Oh, thanks. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Supervisor Miles. Supervisor Nelson. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, I looked, um, I spent quite a bit of time on the SWOT analysis, and in that section there's quite a bit of information on mostly design considerations, you know, what the facilities should have. But as I was reading through this, I started to do a little research on my own. I was wondering, uh, more on the flip side, what are comparable trends going on uh, on the consumer side, you know, with associations and organizations for conference and uh, convention planners, uh, for the membership, their ability to attend, uh, for concert promoters, uh, trade shows, consumer shows, you know, more from the planning aspect, not, not so much the design, but 
uh, you know, how does how might that fit into this project? Are there things that we should be aware of uh, as far as the potential there, or you know, what I think you know, in in some ways, I think communities have this: if we build it, they will come mentality. But is you know, what is the audience, and is, indeed, does it look like there is growth in all of these various areas? I'll, I'll give you my answer to it, and Rob can amplify it. I, I think the dominant factor that is coming into play in this business is, you know, the build it and they will come mindset, you know, uh, building these venues that are four walls and, you know, they can host a certain number of events. An entire generation of that has occurred. Clearly what the market is looking for now is to locate uh, events in communities that, that, that promote an urban lifestyle. Uh, people want to come to dynamic, uh, young, vibrant communities where these facilities are the anchors to that type of district. All the good examples that you'll find in the report where, where communities are finding success are those communities that have done that successfully. Uh, in our business, we talk a lot about San Antonio. San Antonio is one of the dominant convention markets in America. It's not easy to get to, relatively affordable, but they've created very... Uh, well-positioned venues in the heart of a very dynamic city. That's what the consumer is demanding. If, if you ask for all the other, you know, issues that come into play, it's it's not AV technology, it's not green buildings, it's not a lot of other things that are important. What's important in this location decision, what community do we want to take our event to, is heavily, heavily dependent on the quality of the experience in that community. And that means in a walkable environment. You know, busing across town, you know, moving all over is not what uh, people are looking for as much as they want to locate in a dynamic place where they can attend the event, they can stay in the hotels, there's great retail dining entertainment. That's, that's become the dominant theme. Else? No, I think that, that hits it right in the head. People you can talk are, in the microphone. People are, are looking for uh, people are looking for destinations when they go. Uh, you know, meeting planners want to satisfy the demand of of people who want to go to meetings and to these conventions and other events. So, what they look for is just a, as Bob mentioned, a destination. It's memorable. You know, Madison has a huge leg up in that uh, department because. It's already a great place to be. People want to come here. If we can do a better job on the Alliance site of providing amenities that make it walkable and connected, people feel good about being there for two, three, four days, sure, they're going to come into downtown Madison and they might take some side trips um, further out. But for that couple hours a day that they might have a free time while they're attending their event, it's nice for them to be able to walk around and, and to have the services they need and, and feel comfortable, and, and that's what they're looking for. And we hear that over and over again, both in this research and in other projects we've done uh, throughout the country. Supervisor Nelson, I almost said Nelson, Supervisor Levin. Thanks. Uh, I'll try and be as quick as possible. So curious, do you see, though, like an updated venue in option three eating into any of the other conferences that, I mean, would we be eating our own? Would we be taking from Monona Terrace so that the dollars coming into the community are sort of a wash? It's different enough on improving. And then I guess when we hear so much with that um, venue is 
the additional need for hotel space. Has this has option three really sort of had enough of that, or are you are you thinking that it has different types of conferences or activities that might not require as much hotel space? It's an important goal of, of all the options, options three especially, to, uh, you know, at this very early stage, it's hard to say precisely what that would mean, but to make those facilities work in a complementary fashion. You don't, we don't want them to, to compete or to, can, to cannibalize, um, but to, to plan and design them in a way that is complementary. So, you know, that, that's the next step in this process, really, is to figure out how to do that. I mean, the, the dominant variable in all this is visitation. Lambeau Field, when we started there, there were 684,000 visits a year. This year, it's upwards of 3 million. Uh, so what you want to do is create the right complement of, of venues and surrounding facilities, amenities, what have you. Rob mentioned the retail as an example. What we want to do is get the Alliance site generating 5 to 6 million visits a year. That will drive demand for more hotels. It will drive demand for retail, dining, entertainment, a whole host of different amenities that are supportive of the core venues that are built there. If you can bring that type of visitation here, it's new demand. You're capturing new market share. You know, I'm not going to say there's never going to be an event that would look at being at a Lion versus Monona Terrace or being at a hotel on the west side. Some of that happens, but you're, you're mostly talking about creating new visitation to the site. If you can do that, the fiscal gain, the success will fall. Well, and where a lot of that business is going today is to the Dells. You know, you need to get some of that back. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, Supervisor Levin. Um, I don't see any other questions. I, um, thank you, gentlemen. I wanted to give the clerk, who actually chairs the Strategic Design Committee um, and has been doing so almost since the moment he stopped being chair of the board. Um, so I appreciate his work, but I wanted to give him a chance to um, let us know about your plans for a meeting with the Strategic Design Committee. Yeah, we have, a, we have a meeting later this month on the 20th out at Alliant Energy Center, which you all are welcome to attend. Um, it's in the late afternoon. It'll be on Legistar. And we will, the goal is to go over those recommendations, to dig through it. Uh, the the product will be a recommendation to the county board so that it will go through committees and you all have a chance to weigh in on on your take on this and what what the next steps should be there are there is money in the county budget to do master planning on the site so um, more much more detailed analysis of the site and the facilities and also a, a community engagement piece that would be more robust than what's happened to date and also um, do work on the economics of an example is if we were to look at replacing or repairing the Coliseum, what, how many seats should that be in a competitive market? That, that sort of level of detail, for example, or with, the, or with the expo hasn't been done yet. So those would be some of the things that the county board would authorize to go forward um, over the next several months. Um, I will say I will relay uh, some of the requests and, and questions from this meeting. Um, particularly looking at more of uh, backing up even more and to see what, what the value of the land is, period, without us continuing to operate on it um, versus what our liabilities would be as something we can look at, or uh, separate ownership perhaps by the city, which has the ability to TIF, which the county doesn't have, 
um, has the ability to to do a lot of things the county doesn't have. So looking into that a little bit more and then including that in what we send to you all. So that's sort of the next steps. Thank you very much. And thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate thank your time you. and uh, information. Very enlightening. We're going to um, take a minute here, and then we'll start the... You have to uh, adjourn. This we have to, I'm sorry. Is there a motion to adjourn? Moved by Erickson, second by Kolar. All those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed say no. We're adjourned. Um, we'll, we'll take a break. If anybody needs to step out for a moment, in about three minutes, we'll start back up.